worship the golden calf. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which brought us out the land which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them that I might consume, <clears throat> excuse me, consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and sayest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Yeah, this is This is a... A uh, probably one of the most amazing prayers in history of mankind. It changed, think of this, it changed the course of history. Yeah, God was going to consume Israel, the nation of Israel, and make a new nation out of Moses. Moses' prayer changed that. So let's, look, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll... Look at some lessons from that. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege is ours to open your word tonight. I pray as we look into the word of God, I pray that you speak to our hearts. I pray that the Spirit of God would have his will and his way, and that Lord Jesus Christ be glorified and you be lifted up. And God, would you be magnified in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled just simply the prayer of Moses. I want to notice uh, five things. Uh, from this prayer. First of all, Moses reasoned with God. Verses 11 through verse 13 it says, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people which thou broughtest forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and sayest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. So here we find Moses, who's, an, who's a man. He's a man of God, but he's a man. He's an ordinary man. And he's reasoning with God. The word reason means to argue with logic. And I would have to agree that Moses is making a logical argument. Lord, if you destroy this people, what's the world going to say? What's the world going to say? And Lord, if you destroy this people, what about your promises? 
Your Strong's define reason as to dispute with any anyone. And the Bible tells us that uh, God, really, he invites us to reason with him. Uh, Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In Job 23, 7, dispute with him. That's the same word. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Micah 6, 2. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead, and that's the word there, plead with Israel. And so Moses here is reasoning with God. He reasons with God. Abraham did this. There's a good example of this in Genesis chapter 18. Remember, he, the Bible says that Abraham stood before the Lord, and then he begins to to ask Lord, presenting a logical argument again, Lord, if there's if there's 50 righteous in Sodom, will you destroy it? Will you destroy it? And the Lord said, no, he would not destroy it if there's 50. And he continues till he gets all the way down to 10. And his, his logic is based on this, because the, after that first first intercession, he says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Paul, the apostle, used this method in his, preach, method in his preaching. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 18, verse 4, it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Acts 18, 19, he came to Ephesus. Left them there, but he himself entered in the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then again in 19.8, he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. So, so you know, though God is almighty, God is infinite in wisdom, he's omniscient, he knows the end from the beginning, he made us in his image and his likeness, and he invites us to reason with him. If you reason with God, I mean, if you use logical reasoning, what conclusions will you come to? Will you come to the conclusion that that evolution is true? Is it based on logical reasoning? No, it's not. Would you come to the conclusion that God is bad? Not if you're going to use logical reasoning. Why would he do good to anybody? Well, he does. We're all sinners. And enemies of God were born that way. And that way by nature. And so God invites us to reason with him. You know, any, any true scientist that has set out to, to reason with God about the origins of species, you know what he concludes with? God made him. There's there's many that tried, and and became convinced that evolution is not true. Evolution is a farce. Creation can go can can be the only explainable and scientific uh, um, origin of species. So so God invites us, and Moses here reasoned with God. Secondly, the basis of Moses' prayer is the glory of God. Notice verse 12. 
in verse 13. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. So the first thing we see here is God's testimony in the world. So, so he says, you know, if, if you destroy this people, you know, how are you going to be glorified in the earth when, when, when the world's going to say, for mischief did you bring them out? Genesis 18, I mentioned this. In Genesis 18, verse 25, um, when Mo, or Abraham stood before the Lord, again, he asked, uh, if there be 50 righteous in the city, would you spare it for 50? And, and, and he says this, that be far from thee to do after this manner. In other words, you know, it'd be, be a terrible thing for God for destroy a city if there's 50 righteous in it. To destroy 50 righteous with the wicked? To slay the righteous of the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked? That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So, so he's, he's, he's talking about God's testimony in the world. He also makes reference here, and this is, again, the basis of Moses' prayer, is the promises God made. God's glory is at stake. Verse 13, Remember Abraham. Isaac and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and sayest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of thee, of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. You remember, God made promise to Abraham. Uh, and and you, you follow this through. He made this promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, and the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, that thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And, and that promise, again, is passed on, or is reiterated to him uh, in, in chapter 23, Verse 15 and 18 through 18, and it says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing, hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, speaking there of Isaac, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And then this is passed on to Isaac in, Gen in Genesis 26, uh, verses 1 through 5. Uh, for sake of time, we to read verses 4 and 5. It says, I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And then it's passed on to Isaac in chapter 28. When Isaac, or, or not, did I say Isaac? He's passed on to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. When Jacob, Isaac blesses Jacob before he leaves for, for Laban's house. And then on the way there, he, 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 he lays up, you know, he lays down to sleep. And the Lord speaks to him in verses 13 and 14. 
and says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this was a promise that was made to Abraham, passed on to Isaac, passed on to Jacob, and passed on to the, children, the twelve tribes of Israel. Deuteronomy 30.20 Moses said to the children of Israel, That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And Jesus even mentioned this in Matthew chapter 22, where he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So Moses was petitioning God on the basis of his own word. In Matthew 6, in the, in the, in the prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave us, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As it is in heaven. So, Moses is praying here, reminding God that his will needs to be done. And his will was to give that land to the children of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he was saying, thy will be done. Thy word be accomplished. You know, that's powerful praying. When you pray the promises of God, that's powerful praying. So the basis of Moses' prayer is for God to be glorified and to fulfill his promises. Thirdly, it was an earnest prayer. Exodus chapter 32, and drop down to verse 30 and 31. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses, son of the people, ye have sinned a great sin, and now will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, I pray thee, if not blot me, I pray thee out of the book which thou hast written. So it was an earnest prayer. Uh, he, it says here that he returned to the Lord. Uh, you know, the word earnest means serious intention purpose. Now, a parallel passage of this tells us that he, he not only prayed, but he fasted 40 days. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And this is, of course, Deuteronomy means second law. He's, he's, he's rehearsing all the, their history, you might say, of the wilderness journeys to the children of Israel before they enter the promised land. And he reminds them here that he fasted and prayed 40 days for them during this time. Deuteronomy 9, 18 and 19, it says, And I fell down before the Lord as at the first, 40 days and 40 nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins which ye sinned, and doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure 
wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. So, you know, he know, he, it was not just a, a simple 40 half hour, 10 minute, 15 minute, half hour, you know, even a day. He was before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasted. Somebody said prayer with fasting is a necessary part of spiritual warfare. You know, in Matthew 17, verse 21, Jesus said that uh, uh, you know, the, the disciples tried to cast a demon, I think it's cast a demon out of a, uh, a, a demon-possessed boy or something, and, and they couldn't do it. And they asked him, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. James 5, 16 and 17, Confess your faults one to another, pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, it rained not in the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now, Elijah fasted. He was a man of fasting. In fact, in, in uh, 1 Kings 19, verses 7 and 8, it says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the man of God. Now I take a fact that he didn't eat again for another forty days. So, it was an earnest prayer. Uh, it was a prayer in which he was willing to sacrifice himself. You might say a prayer that could not be uttered. Notice again verse 31 and 32. And Moses returned on the Lord and said, All this people have sinned a great sin, have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt not forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. Now, there's a lot of speculation about what happened right there when Moses was praying. There was a hyphen in our King James Bible. But Moses, it seems Moses was willing to sacrifice himself for those stubborn, rebellious people. Kind of reminds us, you know, there's only one other person in the Bible we find something like that said about. And that was who? Paul. Romans chapter 9, verse 3. He said, I wish I might myself were cursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen in the flesh. Romans 8. 26 and 27 says this likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God Spurgeon said quote Groanings that cannot be uttered are often prayers 
which cannot be refused, unquote. When I read Romans 8, 26 and 27, it reminds me of Hannah. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Groanings that cannot be another. 1 Samuel 1. It says, Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. See, groanings that cannot be uttered. He was willing to sacrifice. It was a prayer that could not be uttered. So it was an earnest prayer. Fourthly, it's a prayer that changed the course of history. Again, in chapter 32, verse 10, the Lord says, Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I might consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So God intended, God's intention was to destroy Israel and make of Moses a great nation. And he could have. God can do anything. He can do anything. Now I must say, I really don't understand all this. But Moses' prayer changed God's mind. Psalm 106.23 says there this, Therefore he said that he would, not, he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach, to stand, turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. You know, so again, I don't really understand. You know, God changing his mind? He knows all things. He knows the beginning of the end from the beginning. But we must believe his word. That's what it says. By the way, this really isn't the only occasion that prayer turned or changed God's heart or changed his mind. First Kings chapter 21. First Kings 21. Verse 27. Now, remember, who's the wickedest king Israel ever had? Ahab. So without a doubt, there's no question. And here's old Ahab. Elijah has just pronounced judgment on Ahab's house because he took Naboth's vineyard, had, had, had Naboth killed and took his vineyard. So he pronounces judgment on at Ahab's house. And verse 27 it says, It came to pass when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, 
I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. So God kind of changed his mind there a little bit. I mean, he didn't say he wasn't not going to judge his house, but when he was going to bring it to pass, bring it to pass, did change. And the guy praying is Ahab. Second Kings chapter twenty. Second Kings chapter twenty. Verse uh, 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, before Isaiah was going out in the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. So here's again a prayer that changed God's mind. So it is a prayer that changed the course of history. Imagine if it be instead of we having the the Hebrews, we have Moses' children. So prayer can change the course of history. And then the fifth thing, Moses' prayer stayed God's judgment on Aaron. Deuteronomy nine verse twenty. Now it really doesn't say that here. Again, we don't have. A complete record in Exodus, but he gives us more, some more details in Deuteronomy about the same thing. Deuteronomy 9.20 it says, And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also the same time. You know, I've, I've never really thought about that before. I didn't make that connection. But, you know, I often thought, you know, Aaron kind of got off scot-free on this thing. I felt like in Exodus it doesn't really say that much other than, other than uh, Moses kind of chided with him about it, but doesn't say anything about the fact that God was really angry and was going to destroy Aaron. But here we see God was going to destroy Aaron too. Which makes sense if he's going to destroy all the nation and just, you know, uh, I get, you know maybe if I pay a little temp more attention to what I read. But anyway, uh, but Moses' prayer stayed or prevented God's judgment on Aaron. This time. Luke twenty two thirty one and 32. Of course, the Lord Jesus says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You see, this prayer, Moses' prayer, stayed God's judgment 
on Aaron. On Aaron. Look at First Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel 12. <clears throat> Israel is asking for a king, and then he's giving them Saul. But Samuel reminds them of something. In 1 Samuel 12, 23 and 24, he says this, Moreover, as for me, you know, he tells them about the kingdom and, and, the, and, the, and that God is not pleased and, 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 and so on with, with, with the desiring a king. But, but anyway, but he, said, but he said this, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and cease to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. Consider how great things he hath done for you. You know, Samuel was going to continue to intercede for his people. Even though they had, he felt, rejected him. But it wasn't him. It was God they rejected A New Testament counterpart, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who of all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. You see, prayer is reasoning with God. The basis of prayer needs to be the glory of God. It needs to be earnest. Prayer can change the course of history, and it can stay God's judgment on a person or persons. The question tonight is, have we faithfully exercised ourselves in prayer? You know, I've, I've known, know of quite a few missionaries that went to the field, maybe served one or two terms, and quit. Some of them aren't even still married. I wonder if more people praying would have changed the outcome. You know, sometimes I think we ought to say, well, Lord, forgive me for not praying for our missionaries as I ought. Forgive me for not praying for the church as I ought. Forgive me if not praying for a pastor as I ought, or as our or for our nation as I ought. You see, we have available to us the power to change history. It may be an individual's history. In this case it changed the history of a nation. The question is, are we are we Availing ourselves of this privilege. The second question is, and of course it goes along with that, 
Is there something in our life that's hindering us from this privilege? See, prayer, it's the prayer, this is a prayer that changed the course of history. Your prayer can change your course. It could change the course of someone else. Might God help us to be people who pray. Pray with earnest. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge that it gives to us in this, this example of prayer. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your people to seek your face, to rest in your promises, that we might desire to see you glorified in the earth and through us. Thank you again for your love for us. Thank you for this privilege wherein we stand. We pray in Jesus' name.